What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Today's first guest is someone I've been wanting to talk to for a very long time. Nailed it host, Nicole Byer. The very funny lady is here to chat about her history-making Emmy nomination, trying to get Beyonce as a guest judge on Nailed It, and her plans to design a line of bikinis. Then later, Marae Enos. The Hannah star says it's time for her to do a rom-com. Plus, she makes the case for why it's also the perfect time to finally make the sequel to World War Z. So after this short break, I'll be back with Nicole Byer. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Nicole Byer made history by becoming the first black woman to be nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Host for a reality or competition program for her work on the fourth season of Netflix amateur bake-off series, Nailed It. I caught up with Byer via Zoom from her home in Los Angeles. Okay, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, how's quarantine treating you? (laughs) I mean, I go in and out of going crazy. I just wish people would wear a mask, you know, or... Something. If you don't like a mask, wear like a face shield, then your face is like still out there for people to be upset about because you're probably ugly. I just, I don't know. These people who don't want masks, I've never seen a video of a pretty person being like, I'm not wearing a mask. (laughs) So I'm not saying something, but I'm saying something. So what are you doing during quarantine besides podcasting? Oh, um, I've been pole dancing, which is something I've been doing for like, oh, oh my God, it's going to be two years in September. That's my pole anniversary. And then I started a skate gang with some of my dear friends. I made them buy roller skates and we skate around uh, and we pretend to be threatening. We're always like, wait till you get our skates off and we'll come for you. We're all in various sorts of falling down. How does a skate gang come come about? How did that? Who so, like, in February, before, like, the explosion of TikTok roller skating happened, I just, like, clocked a couple on TikTok and on Instagram, and I was like, oh, my God, I cannot remember this black woman's name, but she, like, has long, flowy braids, and she's always, like, in this, like, cool desert, and she's just, like, moving, and she wears a thong, and it's, like, cool, and she's so talented. And then my friend Danielle uh, Hawkins is awesome. So like she does, she like poles and roller skates at the same time and seeing it in person is thrilling. And I've seen it like maybe once or twice. 
so I was like, I'm going to buy roller skates and I'm going to learn. I have all the time in the world. And then I bullied my friends this year into getting them. And then I light, and then my friend Meatball and uh, their boyfriend, Michael, already had them. So I was like, let's start a skate gang. And then my <laughs> friend uh, Ellie had them. And I was like, come on, Ellie. So yeah, now we're just a skate gang and uh, we're getting jackets made and I cannot wait. <laughs> First black woman nominated for reality <laughs> competition host. <laughs> It is a very specific honor I now have. <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. It's a, uh, it feels incredible. It's wild. It is wild. You started this show started what four seasons ago. Yes. I remember my husband and I first watching it. Just we're like, what is this? Where did this come from? <laughs> it kind of and just you- dropped out of nowhere. Like there wasn't really any promo for it. It like launched and then almost overnight, like like everybody I've ever met was like, this show's funny, Nicole. And comics are notorious for not giving a compliment when a compliment is not due. So I was like, okay, if all these comics say that this is funny, and then they're like, the best part about it is at Thanksgiving, my parents watch it. We all watch it together and everyone shuts up. And I was like, oh, okay, this is very, it's cool. It's really cool how uh, universal it is uh, and how generationally people like it. So what did they tell you when you went for the audition? I did an audition. Ah, she's off her own. No, I'm kidding. I am absolutely not off her only. I auditioned for so much. I just put myself on tape for something the other day. (laughs) Uh, But but, so I had a meeting with the production company, Magical Elves. And truly what a magical way to get a job is by meeting with someone. And then they actually hire you. I've had so many meetings where I see the movie later and I was like, oh, so they went in a different direction. (laughs) But uh, I got to meet with the production company and I don't know who had seen me perform, but somebody had seen me perform and they said that they liked my style of comedy and that um, they were looking for a comedian because they did want the show to be funny, but they didn't want it to be mean funny. And I was like, well, I'm not an insult comic. I don't have that in me. Uh, But I do think I can call out the reality of the situation. So let's, yeah, like I'll do it. And then uh, we, I did it and it was like pretty, it was, interesting because in the beginning the the contestants didn't know necessarily that like they were gonna have to make these insane things so it would be a little bit of like you did a great job you should be so proud of yourself you you spent time on this but this is crazy and you know it right and then it's like after you tell someone and they because it's like these adults try so hard and it's so bad so it's just like you have to build them up a little bit to be like but you know (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's really, it's fun. It's a fun job. So who is your dream guest judge? My dream guest judge is Beyonce. I would love Beyonce. (laughs) I'm not getting Beyonce. I also want Adele. Instead of black is king, cake is king. Yes, cake is king. But I'm just like, Somebody has to go to school with Blue Ivy in the production or at Netflix that they can ask, be like, Blue, do you watch Nailed It? And she's like, yes, I do. And then, you know, we bring Beyonce, we bring Jay, we bring Blue, and we have a whole beautiful family, Sermi, or no, Rumi and Sir, they can come too. You know, it could be a whole thing. Maybe Kelly comes, Kelly, and then maybe Miss Tina comes. Miss Tina's very funny. I want, I want the whole clan. I love them. So now you're assuming that Blue Ivy goes to some school <laughs> that everyone else goes to. 
I mean, I don't think she's homeschooled. Do you? Maybe. She might be. I don't know. I don't know what, like, I can't fathom the richness of that life. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, to me, like, she goes to a store. They call ahead at Target. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They buy Target. (laughs) So look at your competition, though. Mm -hmm. You have the guys from Queer Eye, the folks from Shark. Yes. Top yes. Chef, Amy Poehler, yes. Nick Offerman, yes. and then of course RuPaul. Yes. <laughs> what is going through your mind when you hear they are your competition? I mean, I I do feel like uh, a real underdog because I truly do not think I will win. It's truly just an honor to be nominated. It's so wild. Like RuPaul, RuPaul is a trailblazer who is also the kindest person um, and caring and loving and has really created this huge franchise of a show. Um, and Amy Poehler, like I performed at theater. So like, it's crazy to be even spoken about in the same context as her. The Queer Eye Boys are literally a cultural phenomenon. Like people love them. Jonathan Van Ness is one of the sweetest people. Anthony's so sweet. I don't really, oh, and Bobby's great. Like they're all just so nice, Karamo and Tan. Like I've gotten to work with them a couple of times. They're wonderful. Uh, Padma is like a legend. She's been working for so long and still looks stunning doing it. You know, it's just like, and then Shark Tank. I love Shark Tank. What a treat. Like. It's just really, honestly, incredible. And um, people sometimes will go, it's very humbling. But I'm like, humbling means you're like smaller than you are. Mm -mm. This is affirming. This is affirming that I work really hard and affirming that like I am funny and it's validating and it feels really good. I refuse to say I'm humbled. No, I feel delightful. And I love screaming around my house. I'm an Emmy nominee. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, your Zoom says Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, it was a joke, and I refused to change it. <laughs> but also, it made you laugh, so it's doing its job. When did you know you were funny? Oh, um, when I was little. So my grandmother is from Barbados, <clears throat> and so my dad. My dad was born in Barbados. I'm first generation, and. My grand, my grandmother says things that like aren't American kind of. So like if I made her laugh, she would always go, oh, you tickle me. And that made me laugh that she was so tickled by me. So I would make it a point to try to get my grandmother to say that every time I saw her. And then that evolved to like other people. So like when I was in school, if I could get someone to laugh, that felt good. And then when I finally got on stage and started performing, I was like, ah, not only is, does it feel good to make other people laugh, but I feel good and I feel powerful because I can control how this group of people feels for the hour and a half, two hours they're with me. Now, when did you know to go on stage? Was there someone in your life who said, you know what, you should be performing? Or did you just do it? No, I never, ever thought that Because it's funny in school, nobody ever tells you you can be an actress. Nobody ever tells you you can do comedy. Nobody ever tells you that the arts are valuable and important and you can make money doing it. Um, But my mother was like, you talk so much. 
why don't you go talk in a play where you have to be talking? Like, I have ADD, so I am a chatty Kathy. Um, so I auditioned for the play, and it was a lot. It was like a year. They had done Arsenic and Old Lace the year before, and it was like a smash hit, and everybody loved it. So then a lot of people were auditioning for the play this that year. So we did selected scenes from Christopher Durang, so to incorporate more people. It was just like a vignette. Uh, and I did DMV Tyrant, which is <laughs> the most frustrating DMV employee ever in the history of the DMV. And it was just very fun and funny, and we camped it up. And yeah, that first time I got a laugh, it was like I was so nervous before. But then that first laugh, I was like, oh, yeah, I feel at home. So from that point on, I was like... I'm going to be an actress. I'm going to move to New York City. I'm going to be on Broadway. My mother was, uh, she wanted me to take the SATs. I said, you don't need to be smart to be an actress. I already know how to read. I don't need anything else. So that's what I did after high school. I moved to New York. And I mean, I, it wasn't immediate, but you know, I got there. Do you miss doing stand-up during all of this craziness? Oh my God, I miss performing so much. Um, yeah, I mean... I was, so 2019, I really, like, the goal was, like, I really want to get an hour of material together that, like, I love, that is cohesive, that is uh, just, like, a graduation from my half hour that's on Netflix. So I was literally on tour almost every week. Uh, I think I was gone maybe 40 weeks out of the year, 30 weeks out of the year. It was, like, something crazy. And then when I wasn't touring, I was working, and it was just this really hectic lifestyle that I like grew to love. And this year I was like, I need a little bit of a break. And <laughs> you know, the world said, I hear you loud and clear. You dumb bitch. Here's the big break. But now I'm, I truly miss it. But it's also to the point where it's like, what am I going to talk about? What, <laughs> what on earth will I, what, what, I don't want to talk about Corona anymore, but like, what on earth will I talk about? So, I mean, I can't believe it's already August and we haven't figured some stuff out. But you are co-hosting, hosting about 15,000 podcasts. I do have a lot of podcasts. You are a podcast queen. Yeah, and I wasn't into them. I honestly, I do not listen to podcasts. But just because I don't listen doesn't mean I can't produce. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because I do like talking. When have you started shooting season five? When do you start shooting season five? I don't know if it's been announced, so I don't know how to answer that question. Is there a season five? Who knows? I think it's safe to say that the show will come back. It was nominated for an Emmy. I think it's very safe to say. I don't think anyone will get mad at me over that. But it hasn't been announced yet, so I, I, I'm in the dark. What, what, how, what will make you feel safe to go back to production? I mean, uh, we've just learned that you can get it through your eyes. Um, so I think face shields are probably a must. Um, I mean, people like to hug me, but they've got to be told that there's no more hugging. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a, I, I, I think it's been proven, although it is an evolving discussion because that's what science is it's ever evolving until we understand something completely um, right now they say that it's not transmitted through food so as long as there's face shields happening and a lot of hand washing happening 
and people have been tested, I think I feel okay. <laughs> I think I feel okay. <laughs> With the thing, yeah. Uh, I, I keep saying the world's not going to come back until there's a vaccine. I just, I can't see how people are going to be And But then here's the thing. I'm not getting that first vaccine so an arm grows out of my head. When are you starting a line of bikinis? Honestly, hopefully soon. Um, I'm in the midst of trying to figure out how to do that. Uh, yeah, I, I would love that very much because I, I love bikinis. Like I have so many. I have over a hundred and I think I understand, or at least I understand what like my body type would like. And I hope that that translates for other body types. Um, but yeah, I just, I love a bikini. I love a bathing suit and I want women to just like embrace the body that they have. And I'm, I don't like the term body positive. I think it's so weird that there's a term for liking your body. And I'm not saying don't talk shit about people's bodies. I don't care. But like, you don't have to do it to the person. You don't have to like say it to their face. You know, like, uh, like spilling the tea to me is like, I invite my friends over for tea and we talk shit. Like that's when you can do it. People do not need to know your opinions about them. Unless of course they're on 90 Day Fiance and I have a whole podcast about it because I love these lunatics. So tell me about what was the first audition you ever went on, whether you got the role, the part or not. Oh, where I got the role? Either one, where you didn't or you did. I like The very, 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 very first audition I went on was for a off-Broadway play. And I went in and uh, the woman looked very young. This I was like 20, 20 maybe, maybe 21. And... She looked so young and I walked in. I was like, oh my God, you're so young. How did you get this job? Which is not something you say to somebody. And then she was like, um, I don't know what she said. And she was like, let's, let's just get the show on the road. I was like, oh, okay. So then I started my monologue and I like got two lines deep and I fucked up and I went, oh, fuck. And she was like, excuse, which is something you never, you just keep going. So then she let me start over, finish it. And she was like, actually, you're very talented. There's just a lot of bullshit up top. And I was like, so I didn't get it. And she was like, no, I'll say it now. No, goodbye. And I was like, okay. So that's one. My second audition before I gave up auditioning was for the touring company of Greece. I do not sing. I can't sing. I am tone deaf. But so I'm doing auditioning for Greece. Because I, don't, I honestly can't tell you, but I prepared Rock and Robin acapella, got there. It was a cattle call and they pulled me inside and the pianist is like, where's your sheet music? And I was like, I don't have any. And then I was like, <clears throat> and then he like played a very jaunty tune, slammed down on the keys and goes, this is for a musical. What do you think is in a musical? Music. Why would you come to a musical audition with no music? And they're like, Irving, calm down. <laughs> He was so mad at me. And then they're like, let her just, you could just sing, you could sing acapella. And then I sang acapella and it was so bad. And they were, <laughs> I wasted everybody's time that day. And then the first audition where I got the part was either a commercial that shot in Romania or 30 Rock. I do not remember which one it was, but the 30 Rock audition, Katja Blitchfield was, the casting director and it was for like a Monique lookalike for when Liz Lemon is at the Apollo. It's the tag at the end of the, an episode. I'm like not even in the episode, but I was so excited for it. And I did the audition and I left. And I remember calling my manager at the time being like, I think I got it. 
And if I don't get it, they just went with someone older because I was the funniest person they saw. And he was like, ah, I wouldn't get ahead of yourself. And I was like, honestly, I don't think you understand. You should follow. I was so full of myself. And then I got it, uh, which was like delightful. And then I remember my grandmother being like, this is what you were excited for? You're on screen for 30 seconds. And I was like, yes, bitch. And I still get paid for it. Sure, it's pennies, but I'm still catching checks. Um, and then this commercial in Romania was for Nestle. And it was Romania? Yes. So it was, I think, Israeli Nestle. They flew me to Romania. Economy. My first time out of the country country. Like, I'd been to Canada. But the first, like, flight, like, across an ocean. And I didn't know they gave you free wine on international flights. Like, I was like, can I have some more? And she was like, yeah, you can have all you want. I was like, oh, I want. And I was also maybe 20, 21. I don't remember. And I get there. And also, this is the first audition where someone said to me, with their own mouth. I want you to be blacker. I want you to be as black as you can be. And if you go too black, I'll bring you back. I'll never, I've never figured out what that meant. (laughs) If I went too black. (laughs) So I'm in Romania and they had me like flying around because I'm a fairy. And of course, they (laughs) had me in this like rickety harness. And the stuntman who was very handsome was like, hello. Just so you know, we tested this harness on the fattest man we could find. He is not as big as you, but we tried. Mind you, I was like 40 pounds lighter then. (laughs) (laughs) And they would hoist me up in the air, and then the director and, I don't know, a producer would then argue about what I was supposed to do. So I was like this literal pinata in this huge dress just swinging around, and I'd be like, can someone figure out what I'm doing. It was wild. It was the wildest experience I've ever had. On that note, Nicole, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. so excited about this. I told my husband he was just leaving. I'm like, I'm getting on the phone with Nicole. I'm getting on Zoom with Nicole any minute now. It's really great. Congratulations on everything. Thank you. And do you have your acceptance speech written? No, um, because I, I... I truly think I will lose to RuPaul, and I am fine with that. So you're saying if you win, you'll give your award to RuPaul? I'm saying if I win, I don't know. I f- it feels stupid to even write something down. Maybe I'll just thank myself. <laughs> I just want to thank me for being me, for getting myself nominated. No, I don't know. I... I really, I don't think I'll write one. I, I truly do not think. How are the Emmys even determined? So I know people vote. Who votes? The Academy members, the Television Academy. And then, so the people with the most votes become the nominees. And then the person with the most votes wins? Or do you re-vote again? No, you re-vote again. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. It's confusing. I had no idea. And you may, if you win, you may be accepting the Emmy in your pajamas, by the way. No, no. I'm going to be wearing a dress. I think I might do multiple costume changes. I might get on my roller skates for a little bit of it. I'm going to, just because we're inside and it's not the most appealing thing to go to the Zoom Emmys, I'm going to make the Zoom Emmys the most fun thing I've ever been to because... This, I'm not going to let circumstance take away from this is a huge monumental thing. And I'm so excited about it. I truly hope that the clip that they play after they say my name is something real dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's me falling off that desk. 
Nicole, thank you again. This was awesome. Thank you. And take care. Stay safe. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. That was Nicole Byer. Nailed It is available on Netflix. Coming up after the break, I'll have Hannah Star, Marae Enos. What do explorers, an army officer, and a Minnesota insurance salesman have in common? They all wanted to be the first to reach the North Pole, but only one of them made it. I'm Kat Long, science editor at Mental Floss and host of the new podcast, The Quest for the North Pole, which dives into the centuries-long race to explore the Arctic, find the Northwest Passage, and conquer the top of the world. With a cast of daring adventurers and some pretty determined amateurs, the race to the pole reveals the human desire to solve mysteries of geography and the soul. We'll look at the important Arctic expeditions that filled the blank spaces on the map and recognize how indigenous people made them successful. We'll examine what pushed explorers to venture ever farther into the unknown and uncharted, and how the climate crisis is changing the Arctic today. Listen to the Quest for the North Pole every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Marie Enos shot to fame for her award-nominated work as police officer Sarah Linden in The Killing. In 2013, she co-starred in World War Z opposite Brad Pitt. And now she's getting ready to shoot, whenever it's safe to do so, the third season of Hannah, the Amazon series based on the 2011 film of the same name. And in October, she'll be seen in The Lie, a thriller with Peter Sarsgaard and Joey King. I caught up with Enos via Zoom. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. Um, so how's life treating you in quarantine? Oh, you know, it's it's just fine. We have we are very lucky. We have a lovely space to be in and um, lots of quality time together. And then also, of course, there's some days where I want to rip my hair out. But I think that's everyone's experience, right? So are you are you playing teacher? Are you teaching your kids? Yes. How's that yeah. going? Mostly, mostly great. My third grader, well, now she's going to be a fourth grader. Um, she's very bright and can basically stay on top of her work. I just have to organize her Zoom calls for her. It's so weird. I know, it's so bizarre. Um, be like, okay, so you've got your English one-on-one at 10 <laughs> And, you know, it's bananas. Um, but then my little guy... He just can't sit on remote school all day long. It makes him crazy. So I was kindergarten teacher and (laughs) we mostly did fine together. And then there were some days where he's like, you're bad at this, mommy. (laughs) Oh, wow. It's it's testing your parenting. Uh... It is. is. But it's it's a really different energy. I mean, parents are teachers too, but like when I'm mommy, I'm like warm mommy. And then when I'm a teacher, it feels like there has to be a certain commitment to like (laughs) a level of rigor, you know, and focus and um, transitioning between those roles is hard and weird. So let's talk about Hannah. The second season of Hannah, you just look miserable. You're all bruised. You're bandaged. I know. It just keeps getting worse and worse. How about the puppy eye? Oh. That was so awesome. 
<laughs> we were like, how do we take it one step further? <laughs> Eye prosthetic. So yeah. how, how long were you in the makeup chair every day? Oh, it wasn't bad. She yeah. was wonderful makeup artist. She had it down to a, you know, to a science. And I only had to wear the eye bag that one day of shooting. Um, so, you know, that was a little longer process. But otherwise, it was, you know, about an hour and it was fine. Wow. Um, so I, 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 I want to get right to that fight scene in the truck because hey. that is just, I mean, you... Did you make contact at all? Because it sounded. Yeah. So it was, um, it was me and the incredible um, stunt double for Esme. And we, um, they taught it to me. And then they had worked out with the camera crew where the breaks were going to be. So it was shot in like four or five sections. And um, we just worked it and worked it and worked it. And of course, you you do want to make some contact because then it just helps sync up all the reactions, but it's very controlled. And, um, I think, I think we got out of there, you know, unbruised and, um, and, uh, anyway, it was a thrilling day of work. It's such a how, visceral experience. How much fun was it? Shooting? It's so fun. It's so <laughs> fun. It just, I mean, I, you know, I love acting for all kinds of different reasons and the story parts are, are wonderful too, the words and everything, but there's something about doing that kind of fight work live with the camera there and everybody working together. It just reminds you you're alive. You know? And this is right after, by the way, you shoot someone in the head. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which freaked me. I mean, I don't know why I get freaked out by Hannah, but. No, I know. That yeah. was <laughs> it, it, it. She's a murderer. There's no way to around it. My daughter said, so you're the good guy this season. And I said, well, <laughs> it doesn't mean I have a moral compass. I've just decided to protect Hannah. You know? So are you an anti is Marissa an anti hero? I would say so. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. She's just She's unstoppable once she chooses a goal mm -hmm. and she's willing to use any means possible. So she, she still will do terrible things. It's just that now, now her goal is Hannah's safety. So, and um, why, why does she want Hannah safe? It's really mysterious question there's a scene where the two of them are in the car at the dock and hannah says why are you helping me and she says i don't know and i think it's actually true i think there's something about um at the end of season one when she sees eric who will you know almost certainly die and she sees what he's been willing to do for her and she just and she also sees that the people that she has aligned herself with have no loyalty to, to her either. Right. And she just decides that on her watch, this girl will not go down. And then when she decides it, she just keeps moving forward. So they tell you that Dermot Mulroney is going to be playing the bad guy. Yeah. What, goes, what goes through your head? I just, he's too nice. <laughs> uh, no, I loved it. I loved that choice. Um, the show is so 
European in feel. And, you know, Joel lives here in the States, but, you know, he originally from Sweden, playing a man from Berlin. All of the energy was so European. And, you know, the real bad guy is the American, you know, CIA and this covert. So to have an actor come in who is so charming and really can bring that kind of American energy, that kind of powerful, mm-hmm. masculine American energy is such a lovely color in the show. Mm-hmm. It's something we didn't have before him. Do you think the show, okay, to get a little more on the deeper end of socio-political yeah. themes, does the show play into people who think there's some deep state who thinks like, anytime I watch a show like this, I always think, does something like this really exist? But in this time period now, mm-hmm. where there are people who actually think there's some evilness going on within the government that's yeah. just secretive and operative, do you think this plays into that at all? Absolutely. I think I think it's undeniable that there are rooms and conversations which the general public will never have access to um there are things that happen behind closed doors there's you know this is whole other level of operation happening in the world and governments pulling strings and um and this plays right into that especially in this complicated political time i mean i think it's part of why we love the born series so much it's the same I, same idea, you know, this kind of military complex and, and powerful world operating in ways that, you know, the general public doesn't, doesn't have access to. And um, so it plays into the reality of that, but it's also like a thrilling genre too, <laughs> uh, which is really fun. So it like walks that line. So season three, when would you even start shooting or you have no idea? They're, they're hoping we can start this fall. Um, uh, there's a lot of smart people trying to figure out how to make that work. And we just have to wait and see. Of course, the show shoots in Europe, and Europe is doing better than America right now. So that might work to our favor. If they let you into Europe. If they let us in. So I've also watched The Lie. Yay. Oh, Ooh, nice little Venusude rom-com. <laughs> So my husband and I are watching it. We're we're like we were on edge the entire. This movie is so good at. Literally, I'm like I feel like I'm gonna have a heart attack. I know. After my husband saw it, he said I might throw up. Yes, it was just every beat of it was just another. You were just like, and then obviously I'm not going to say the. The ending. Blue, mind-blowing. Never in Never saw it. Yeah, never. (laughs) Never. I know. I know. Vina, she's just incredible. Um, And she wrote it, and this was also her directing debut for a feature film. And she just, I mean, I, I, I could not have more admiration for her. When you were reading that script, I mean, I know it's been a little while, but when you were reading the script... Did you know the ending was coming? Or no. She wow. just sent it. She sent it to me. She said, look, this is my latest project, and I've got Peter Sarsgaard on board, and I'd love you to join and just have a read. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, when I read that last page, I was like, no, what? <laughs> I was like up and pacing. And <laughs> just amazing. 
and, and Joey she, King and Joey King that performance just, of Joey King she's kind of it's because I just interviewed her for Kissing Booth which is you know here's the lie here's Kissing right. Booth right she's completely night and day it was she, she is awesome when Peter Sarsgaard and I were shooting season three of The Killing um, and there was a day where we shot all of the um, phone call scenes while he was in prison and I was, you know, on the other side of the gas yep. glass. And so we shot like 12 pages in one day. It was, you know, a grueling day. But I was so, you know, grateful to be there with him. And he said at the end of the day, he was like, next time let's do a love story. <laughs> so then we had to laugh when we showed up to do the live. We were like, well, kind <laughs> When are you going to do some rom-com, oh, goofy please. comedy? Just keep, just keep putting it out to the universe. I would how love often, to. How often do you get to smile in your movies? Never. I never <laughs> smile. <laughs> I mean, season one of Hannah, I smiled a little bit when I was with my boyfriend, but it all felt a kind of like a lie. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can totally enjoy those smiles. Um and yeah, I just, like, <laughs> I was watching her, I was like, with the stitches and the, like you said, the eye, I was like, she just, someone give her a break. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've been kind of saying to people, like, wouldn't it be fun to play someone who's just human, who's not, like, <laughs> wildly competent at any <laughs> given thing, who likes to, like, dance around the kitchen? <laughs> it would be so fun. It would be such a relief. And then, of course, I have to ask you, will we see World War Z Part 2? Oh, for heaven's sake. I don't know. I just don't know. It, it seems to have a little curse hanging over it. It does. Um, because we were Why? all lined up. We were all lined up to go. We had Fincher. We had a beautiful script. And, a, and then it just uh, didn't happen. I mean, it would seem really good, right? I mean, kind of sick and twisted right now, but. Yeah, it would be great right now, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's but it's on point. coming up on 10, 10 years since we shot it. Um, Jeez. So. I know, I was saying when we were watching it last night, because my husband and I have been together nine years. Uh -huh. So right before we got together, I was in London yes. for the premiere. Yes. It's been no, 10 no. years? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's a decade. A decade, <laughs> which actually. If you're gonna take a really long time to do a sequel, at some point it's better if it's like, it's been a decade, you yeah. know? Um, it, it might even be better than like five years or whatever. It's like, there's been a real leap of time. Everyone is in a different place in their life and they're still dealing with this strange world. Do you think it'll ever get made? I, I just don't know. It seems like such a shame for it not to be made. The first one was, so good. It is always so good seeing you. I know it's been a while. You too. Bye, honey. Bye. Bye. That was Marae Enos. Hannah is available on Amazon Prime. Well, that's it for today's Big Ticket. Thanks for listening. Coming up next week, Kerry Washington, who is up for not one, not two, not three, but four Emmys this year. Find out what she told me about the possibility of another season of Little Fires Everywhere. Until then, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. And for all your up-to-the-minute Hollywood news, head over to Variety.com. Stay safe, be well, and please wear a mask. See you next week. 
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.